Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Real Estate Strategies Podcast, where we host in-depth conversations on everything real estate with the industry's biggest movers and shakers. I'm your host, Ken McElroy, joined by my co-host, Daniil. Let's get right into this episode. What's going on, guys? Thanks for coming today. Yeah, thanks for checking checking out the show. So you had an interesting weekend this weekend. You went to Dallas. I did. I did. I. I um, oh well, we'll talk about this in a minute. Yeah, but we will. The, uh, I uh, went to Dallas. Uh, Ron Paul. If you guys know who he was, he's Rand Paul's dad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, ran for president three times. He was speaking at a conference, and uh, which I was speaking at with Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, Simon Black, if you guys know who he is, sovereign man. Uh, he's got an incredible organization. I've known him a long time. It's actually James Hickman. Simon is his code name years ago when I first met him. But he talks a lot about, you know, liberty and, and um, you know, he lives in Chile and Mexico. and you know, Well, he of, talks a lot about getting secondary passports, he does. right? Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things. But, mm-hmm. you know, really, he's a, a historian, talks a lot about monetary policy and stuff like that. And then... So Robert spoke, uh, Adam Taggart spoke, and uh, it was fun. It was fun just to go and, and kind of be with people and, and uh, um, you know, be in Dallas. It was yeah, beautiful. speak again, you know. Yeah, I haven't done a live talk in a while. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, and then you fell up an escalator. <laughs> fell up an escalator. Uh, an escalator that you're not supposed to be on because it was not working, correct? That's not true. <laughs> so they had... Um, uh, they had an escalator coming up, coming down, and it was turned off. And oddly enough, everyone was walking up the escalator. This was one, you know, the herd mentality. I, of course, started walking up the escalator, and I wasn't really paying attention, and I slipped, and my hand went right through the teeth. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, no, this is right after dinner. I had to speak the next day, so I had to go straight to the ER. And uh, then a uh, doctor stitched up my hand. So I got a bunch of stitches. George Gammon and Ken McElroy yeah. in the ER. George, George is like, I'll take you. I'm like, okay. But so we're trying to get an Uber. I'm bleeding like crazy. Oh the hotel's freaking out. And uh, I go to the ER. People in the hospital are probably looking around like, wait, the- is that? George, yeah, Gannon yeah. So Ken George McElroy, is all suited or? up. I had a sport coat on, and uh, we're in there. My, it was, it was actually bleeding quite a bit. Um, anyway, so. I had a good Funny. time, none other than that, and uh, it was an unfortunate accident. 
Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. Um, so we did take our um, quiz. You know, we guys, we made a uh, money personality quiz yeah, for you. Yeah, I took it. And not surprisingly, I am a saver and you are a spender. I'm a spender. Uh, well, I know. I'm proud of being a spender. But when I spend, I invest first and then get the cash flow and then spend. So, so like when I wanted a Ferrari, I bought an asset to produce the cash flow to buy the Ferrari. So I didn't just take the Ferrari and, and buy, I just didn't go buy the Ferrari. I made sure, and when I bought my new, I bought a 69 Bronco, completely redone, beautiful, uh, out of Venice Beach. And I did that out of a cash out refi. So, so I'm intentional with the way I spend things. It, you know, I'm not taking my savings that I would normally invest. And, uh, and you got to have fun too. Like, you do. You well, do. And I, I do have fun as well. I'm just more of a little bit more of a saver than you are. Yeah. yeah. We should put that quiz uh, link on the. Yeah. You guys should take it just to see if you're a spender, saver, you know, investor, what kind of money mentality yeah, are you? It's fun. Yeah. It's, it's fun just to have the conversation. So. It definitely is. Um, I do have to laugh. One of our um, YouTube listeners, Jen, just said, when I Google Ken, it shows a mugshot. <laughs> I know. There is it's a Ken McElroy. You, but <laughs> well, there is somebody that was like murdered, I think, in a small town. I looked this yeah. up. Somebody told me this. It's Skidmore, Missouri, back in the 80s or something. Um, so Well, we're always trying to get ahead of that yeah. guy. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can assure you that uh, we are very different people. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. So today we're going to be talking about how there are supply shortages everywhere. Yeah. And will this create more inflation? How will it create more inflation? You know, what do, what do we have going on yeah. here? Yeah, it's, I, I'm sure you guys are all aware of this. It's all over the news, all over the media. But it's actually kind of new. Think about it. Like we just started seeing this, you know, five, six months ago. Right. And it was very, um, the supply issues were really small a few months ago. They were mainly around cars and lumber. Yeah. But now it's starting to affect a lot of yeah. other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the I, we we've done a lot of videos on this and I, I i don't i hate to keep coming back to inflation but but it's a really important topic right now and there are definitely things that you guys can do today you need to do you need to make sure of this is not going to go away the uh treasury secretary janet yellen even said that she thinks it's, this is going to be well into 2022. So, you know, so we're looking at now everybody's saying it's going to be over by the summer, but that's a complete, you know, guess. And uh, but what they are saying, it's going to be here through next summer. So you're looking at, you know, six, 12 months for sure. I think longer, but at least that's what they're saying. Well, yeah, and inflation's up 5.4%. You know, I what really surprised me is energy being up 21% in the last three months. We haven't even tackled that yet with the Midwest and the winters and the heat. I mean, people, this is going to really put pressure yeah. on people and their uh, energy bills. Yeah. So as you guys know, inflation is just a rise of prices. So, and there's a lot of complexity as to the whys. And right now, the Long Beach and the ships, we were out in LA over the summer. We saw them all out there. There's 80 to 100 ships sitting out there. I don't think that's the only reason. If you dig deeper, um, this administration changed uh, some uh, emissions 
and some um, issues around the, the engines on the transportation of the trucks. And Oh, yeah, uh, and they do not want to piss off these truck drivers. No, well, like, they, they do not take they, it. Yeah, <laughs> so I think it was something around the 2000s where they had to, you know, mm-hmm. upgrade their emissions. And so apparently the newer, the newer, nobody wanted the newer engines because they weren't as good or as efficient as the old ones. And now they can't get parts for the new ones. So there's also transportation and trucking issues. And it's not about Long Beach. I think that's a distraction. There's a whole bunch of issues. You know, if you think about it, we get most of our goods and uh, goods from from out of the country. Right. Then that's uh, let's just pick on China. So China's, you know, China's got some issues as well. So all that stuff is hitting uh, the U.S. right now. It's a result of a lot of things. Supply chain. It's a result of obviously um, labor costs going up, materials going up. Well, you can't just shut down the economy and parts of the world are still shut down and then not have supply chain issues. You know, right. it's just everybody's so ahead in their supply. It's now affecting us a year and a half later. Yeah. I think this is low, but there's an article that came out last week or early this week that said uh, the uh, it's affecting everybody on an average of one hundred seventy five dollars. Mm-hmm. Per month, per month. That's not per year. So that's what that's what and I the, feel like that that's low because even does feel low. You know, when I go to the grocery store, it's like my grocery bill used to be like seventy dollars, and lately I swear it's been like one hundred and forty. And I buy the same things almost every week. Yeah, I I was uh, I was doing some research for the show here today, and I, I somebody somebody put this in a in an article said if your boss sat you down. And said, I'm going to give you a 4% raise. Would you be happy or would you be upset? I thought that was really interesting. By the way, 4% is pretty darn good. Normally. Normally. But when inflation is trending at over 5 right now, as you guys know, that's not necessarily um, something that is good. So, you know. If you go back and look in history, and you, certainly you can go back in the U.S., you can go back into all these other countries, and there's a ton of countries that have had inflation, stagflation, hyperinflation, whatever it might be. You know, there's there's a lot of end results. So some of them end in war. Some of them end in new currencies. Obviously, we're the world's reserve currency, so I don't see that coming anytime soon. But I do think that um, this is a massive, massive tax on the poor. Yeah, that's what inflation is. You know, tax on the poor and the middle class. Yeah. So I was, the funny thing is, I, I'm in the process of my mom. I had to put my mom into a, um, a home because she fell and hurt herself during the, during the pandemic. Assisted living. Yeah, I'm sorry. Assisted living. So, so I had to figure out all the money that she had coming in and she has $1,450 coming in from, uh, that's what she makes. And, um, and so that's immediately what I was thinking of is like, Oh man, like, you know, cause it, where she's living, the food, the rent, all that stuff's going to go up and it's fixed. So the fixed income, obviously I'm going to take care of my mom guys. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, You always yeah, get, I always, you always get crap for that. Use your mom do. as an example, right, right, but you right. do take but care of her, a, but it's a, it's a it's something that needs to be discussed because people that are on fixed incomes are gonna be in trouble and um you know and my so my mom is uh obviously gonna be taken care of but everything that she's doing is gonna go up every single thing right that's kind of the issue and her income is fixed 
So I have a question, though, because, you know, a lot of people on here are saying there's no way inflation is just the 5.4%. Some people are saying 10%. Some people are saying 15 to 20. It probably depends on, you know, what you're buying. However, even if you're not on a fixed income, you know, you only really can negotiate your salary once a year with your employer. And I feel like when inflation rising this quickly, even if not on a fixed income, this is really hard for people. It is, guys. This is a 30-year high. Think about that. I went back and looked. I mean, it was really, really high in the 80s. It was uh, it peaked right around 1990, and uh, we're at a similar number. And uh, uh, I don't think it's transitory like the Fed and everyone's saying that it is. The politicians have to say that. They're not going right. to say, hey, it's, it's not here to stay. Yeah. <laughs> Get used I, to that. That's this. why I was surprised yeah. that Yellen uh, came out, the Treasury Secretary, and she said that um, – uh, it's gonna. It, this is gonna persist to mid twenty twenty two. Right. Know. Right. Yep. Definitely. I, I think that you know people are having a hard time wrapping their head around this, especially those on fixed incomes or lower incomes, because it's a big hit to anybody. You know, less spending, less additional spending money. So there's a really, really good expression, and I I think uh, this is an appropriate time to say this, and and it says hard times make hard men. Hard men make easy times. Easy times make soft men. Soft men make hard times. It's pretty good. It's very good. So I think we are sitting in a situation where there's a lot of soft people. Yeah. We've had very, very, very interesting price runs. We've had uh, very, it's been pretty wealthy. People have had it pretty easy. I'm talking about generationally. Yeah, so, ever since 08, really. Yeah. So I think we're heading into hard times. That's my belief. Now, there are tons of things that you guys can do that are maybe contrary to what, what you would think. And that's actually what I want to focus this on today. Obviously, you want to avoid long-term fixed income investments. So a long-term fixed income investment is something that has a fixed coupon on it. So similar to my mom, my mom makes $14.50 a month. That's all she's going to get this year, next year, the year after, and the year after, period. That's it. So I one of the, one of the, when my dad died, one of the, one of the most heartbreaking things was that he he bought some life insurance when and he would say to me, I got your mom covered, da da da. So he died and he had bought years ago a ten thousand dollar life insurance policy and it did not rise uh with with the cost of living or any kind of you know, it didn't have any kind of inflationary component. So it still was ten thousand dollars. But this is 30 to 40 years later. Right. And so that $10,000 was was not even enough to pay for his funeral. Right. So this is what I'm talking about. These are long, you know, the, the, the fixed long-term investments are not going to work for you. And um, so let's focus on what does work. You know, think about who are the losers during this period of time. Long-term lenders are the losers. Yeah. So, so think about this is why you want fixed income debt or fixed debt. <laughs> fixed debt. I, fixed <laughs> I meant fixed, fixed debt. debt. You want to fix your debt. You Not wanna, your income. Yes. You want to hedge 
any debt that you have, if it's variable or floating, you are potentially at risk. Right. And that's why, you know, um, we always tell you guys to secure in some fixed rate debt, you know, on your home, because realistically, it's going to inflation is going to rise faster than a lot of these low rate debts are. Yeah. And your mortgage will be easier and easier to pay month after month yeah. as inflation goes up. And here's the here's the thing, guys. This is the time to buy versus rent. Now, I'm in the rental business, but I'm telling you right now, it's time to buy. And you're going to say things are so high. It's true. But rent just hit an all-time high. <laughs> We're north of $1,500 on the average. Wow. That's just recent. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's not necessarily good for people who are renters. And as you guys know, it's only going higher. So... This is the time to buy. And why would that be? The reason is, even though prices are high, go find something that you can afford or go partner up with somebody. Go go buy something, get a mortgage, pull your money together, borrow some money from family, figure this out. Because the components of your house, the materials, the labor, all the things that are, it's going to cost to build a house are going to continue to go up. And, and you need to get fixed debt with a down payment, which is savings, which is gonna get eroded, because that's what happens is a lot of times the poor save. And savers are going to be losers during this period of time. So you need to take that income, take that savings, invest it into something you can buy, and ride inflation all the way up. This is the time to buy, not rent. Yeah, especially, yeah, you don't want to be running a home right now. You know, when it comes to um, rentals, you still want to make sure it cash flows. But if this is your primary residence, uh, if you're able to buy, even if the market goes down, which we don't see it doing in the near future, um, you're still getting that super low fixed rate debt because they are going to start to raise interest rates probably sometime next year. And this fixed debt, I mean, you can't really beat it with inflation being so high and fixed debt being so low. That's, well, long-term lenders are losers, guys. So think about if, if you have the ability to put debt on your house and you can cover it at low prices or even a car, make sure your car loans, make sure your home loans, long-term lenders are going to be the losers during this period of time. At, you know, when we're averaging over five, five point three, five point four percent inflation could go even higher. I think we're at the very beginning here. And people are saying, you know, labor costs are going up. Supply chain issues aren't going away anytime soon. So and of course, we're still not completely out of this coronavirus thing. Right. 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 That could pop back up. Yeah. And then we have these vaccine mandates and people are leaving and there's shortages and labor. And we're, you know, I don't want to go all the way down all that stuff. But the point is, is things are super disruptive right now and and um, things are going to get more expensive. So you owe yourself to buy versus rent. And, and I know for many of you that think you're trapped, 
in in the rental uh that might be the case but you have to think of a way to get out of that even if it's putting together um uh, partnerships or things with people you need to get into stuff that you're going to buy that's going to really really save your ass here for the next couple of years definitely you don't want to be sitting on a pile of money right now the, the it's the opposite of what you know the, the ormans and the ramses would tell you this is the time to be in debt guys now the house will go up whether you have debt on or not but let's clarify not. not like credit card yeah, debt no, no, no. good debt yeah but by the way a house i can guarantee you credit card companies are going to jump People are going to start using their credit cards. They're going to start living off all this stuff. That's where we're heading. When the credit card interest rates are going to go up too, that's all adjustable. So if yeah. you're at 26% interest, yeah. it's be going to go Be mindful, guys. Be mindful of what you're paying on mm. your on the money that you're borrowing. That's the most important thing. I do think, that, you know, I'm not a prepper or anything like that, but I do think you guys need to prepare for, for shortages of things. Yeah, things that you need. You know, if you take medication every month, you might want to get a few months supply of that food i know we were online last night just ordering some canned yeah. food dog food i mean just we, basic things yeah for the dogs not for us yeah not for us <laughs> like, why would we need food but um no but and we're not preppers we're not saying oh you're not gonna have any food but you know some of the food that you like some of the meat that you like might not be available so you may just want to have like an extra freezer or just fill your freezer up full of yep. some additional i was left food and i was flying back with robert yesterday and and george gammon so the three of us were flying back um on robert's jet and we were like i go robert what are you doing he's like the three g's i go what are the three g's he goes guns grub and gold <laughs> like, oh that's, so robert. that's so robert but uh it's kind of true i mean it, you know obviously gold and and i have a lot of gold and i'm not pushing gold but i have gold i think it's a good store of value you know, the coin, uh, obviously, it's it's not currency. It's not fiat money. It's not paper. It can't get devalued. I think one of the reasons we're starting to see this inflation is because of, of all the stuff that we saw, this government stimulus, all those things that are have hit the economy. They're all starting to show up. And, and based on what's going to happen next, if there's more money that's going to hit the economy, it's going to continue. Well, and just the shortages, you know, we don't have the main issue with the shortages is the labor. And George Gammon was really interesting about this. He pointed out something that the, a lot of the reason, you know, people are saying, you know, where are all the workers at? Right. Because they gave up the unemployment money and, and they gave up the all the stimulus stuff. And now what? But a big one, I think, is people have made so much money if they've owned crypto stocks yeah, yeah. or real estate. Yeah. And I have friends that did this, too. Right. They made so much money on crypto that they're like. I'm just going to just day trade crypto. Like, I don't want to go back to work, you know, and they're making enough money yep. on doing yeah. that yep. to do it. That's you know, true. yeah. People have made some money too on, uh, if they've owned homes or, mm -hmm. or of course in the crypto market as well. So, uh, you know, and I, I'm not saying that that's not investing. Uh, what I'm saying is that, um, people have made money. And so they don't, you know, a lot of people aren't long-term thinking, and, and, you know, that money, very, the crypto can go down, <laughs> house prices can go down. And so, you know, and of course you don't want to be sitting on savings. So it's just kind of balanced. But people don't always think, you know, a lot of people think day to day, right? And they think that it's done well this far and they can just continue to ride that out. Yeah. So I think that is taking a lot of people out of the job market. Another thing are some people are just retiring because they don't want to deal with all the crap going on and they're taking retirement a few years early. That's so yep. I think between all that, we just have less of a workforce. 
And then I think it'll slowly come back. But I mean, it could take a long time. Yeah. So I do think you got to prepare for shortages. The other thing that you can do is you can improve your efficiency. So some of the things, think about electric cars, think about smaller cars with smaller engines, with more gas mileage. Because, you know, we were traveling this summer and gas was, you know, $5 a gallon. And in some cases now I'm seeing it's even six. But then there's also efficiencies in your own home. And you kind of touched on uh, energy. Mm-hmm. You're going to start to see some of these energy prices jump too, right? These yeah. are going to show up as well. So yeah. those are those are some things that you can definitely do. Definitely, definitely. And um, All Nighter on YouTube said he only keeps as much cash as needed for six months of expenses. And that's pretty much what we do as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to read something that I, I read. So I was looking up. Uh, this is, this is uh, one person's... Um, kind of narrative of it said, of course, all the little people who had small savings were wiped out, but the big factories and the banking houses and the multimillionaires didn't seem to be affected at all. They went right on piling up their millions. Those big holdings were protected somehow from loss, but the mass of the people were completely broke. And we ask ourselves, how can that happen? How is it that this government can't control an inflation which wipes out the life savings of the mass people, but the big capitalists can come through the whole thing unscathed? We who lived through it never got an answer that meant anything. But after that, even those people who used to save didn't trust money anymore or the government. So this, of course, was from some of the people that went through it through, uh, through Germany, through the Weimar. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and so... You know, that's what can happen, guys. And it happens slowly like a frog in a pot, you know. Uh, and the slowly, slowly, slowly this gets turned up. But you can make some decisions today to at least hedge it. And if it is short term, then you've still made good decisions. If it's long term, then you really look like a genius on being able to get out in front of it. So that's part of what we try to teach here is you need to get into good fixed rate debt that's paid off by somebody else. You know, if you can, you need to try to get out of rentals into something that buy that you can buy that hedges inflation and rises with inflation. You want to be on the right side of inflation. Definitely. Definitely. And I, you know, and I think that I just don't know how it can be transitory, but we'll, I guess we'll just see. Well, uh, they can keep saying it, but, yeah. but but I don't know. And and obviously, this is a real estate <laughs> well, show. Eventually, it will be transitory because eventually it'll go down. It just <laughs> yeah. might be a few years from now. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> I, again, fixed rate debt, guys. Fixed rate debt. That's we yep. keep preaching that. Obviously, if when you buy something, you want it to cash flow. There's going to be people that will be renters. We're going to have a massive, massive, massive shortage of housing as a result of uh, these supply chain issues, material issues, labor issues. And there's going to be more and more people pouring into rentals as a result. And you, the educated one that are listening to today, and friend, please spread the word to your friends and family and, and try to get everyone on the same page here because you can be on the other side of this. There are definitely going to be winners and there's definitely going to be losers. And the ones that make it are going to be the ones that are proactive and have a plan. Definitely. Definitely. So make sure you do that. And, uh, yeah. And if you don't own real estate yet, that's not an issue. 
come up with some side hustles, save up some money. It's yeah. totally doable. I've done it. I mean, you can do it. Yeah, so. side hustles are a big. That's actually an interesting topic. Uh, we 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 did a whole video on side hustles. You have a bunch of side hustles. I have so many lines of income guys coming in, and and so you if you're reliant on a say a three or four percent raise or something that is uh, somewhat fixed and you're not in control of your income, you that's another way that you can um, take care of yourself is look for other ways. Go on the internet. Go look. There's a ton of people out doing stuff, guys. A ton of people well, hustling. Right. You shouldn't just have one stream of income. You know, I mean, I think I counted at five or six. You have a bunch. I mean, if you just have one or even two streams of income, you need more than that. And guys, in some of my streams of income, like even my publishing, you know, I published the books for the Rich Dad Advisors, <laughs> you know, the cost to print the book. for We do 10,000 runs of, of new books. The, the the cost from the printer is way up and the time frame to get something printed is six, eight months out. So there's a potential that we actually might not have books on the shelves even, but we had to raise our prices of our individual books that you buy because we're getting killed on the printing and the paper and all the stuff. Oh, it's happening. Yeah, it's yeah. happening everywhere. So that's one of my side hustles I don't talk a lot about, but the point is, it, you, you know, it, the, the profits are going to go way down if I don't adjust the prices. And that's what's happening to people all over the place. If you guys are noticing foods, go, uh, food prices, you know, price for a sandwich, price for coffee, price for a glass of wine, all those things are going up because labor is going up. And, and so are all the components of, of uh, especially in the service business. Definitely. And uh, Zen just said, a frog in a pot. In China, we have the same saying, boil a frog in warm water. <laughs> um, e being Tan has an interesting question. He said he's considering a five-year, he has a five-year home equity line um, that is fixed. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Five year though. Five year. Well, it means basically in year six, it's not right. Right. So, um, but yes, uh, uh, if you can get a fixed line for a certain period of time, that's good. And if you have a line of credit guys, that's, you know, be careful because Wells Fargo made these go away like recently. And I think it was Wells Fargo, wasn't it? Where they just basically said no more credit lines. Yeah. Wells yeah. Fargo and Chase. Cause yeah. I was trying to get so, them. If I were you, if you can get some fixed rate and I would pull that cash out and then figure out if you can afford to don't, you know, don't go into a massive amount of debt if it's not covered somehow. You know, when I talk about debt, I'm talking about covered debt. I'm talking about debt that's covered by something else and be careful of what that is. Right. Something that's cash flowing to cover yeah. the payment. Um, so we're going to jump into premium. Make sure if you're watching, you hit the like button. Um, our premium membership allows you to ask Ken questions. We make sure to answer all of them every week. So go ahead and sign up. They're going to put the link on the screen. We have seven days free. So our first question comes from Kai. Their question is, what is your opinion on providing internet service as a value add to the rental package? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, it's tough to do because it's so competitive. So I've gone through this before. We used to do it with cable contracts and bulk cable contracts and things like that. So a lot of times these companies will come to you and they'll go, hey, you know, there's a big revenue share, da 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 da. What happens is people like their own choice. So yes. some people just don't wanna be on a certain cable company or a certain internet company. So be careful 
the I do think there's a potential opportunity there, but these prices specifically are going down. So internet, no, I mean, you know, it, it you're going to start to see it's going to get more and more and more competitive uh, for that kind of service. So if you get locked in on something, the you know, be very very careful long term because you're going to have to stroke a big check. This happened to me. You know, I stroke a big check to the cable company and then you're struggling to get the people to take the service. And and then there's limitations on the service. That was the other thing. Some of these cable providers could only provide a certain number of channels and the other cable providers were adding a bunch and the people wanted to go to a different one and then it became a it actually became more of a liability. Well, I was going to say our people are, you know, pissed about the the cable yeah. company and then all of a sudden they're angry at you and you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, it's you like... don't want to be in the middle of it. Um you're better off to to um, do a smart home technology and charge for that. So that's one of the things that we're doing now. And, and so that's uh, locks, that's lighting, that's the Nest thermostats. Those are the kinds of things uh, that, that people can do from their app and uh, they can control some of their expenses. That way you can charge a little bit more for that. That's an investment into the property as well. And uh, it's good for the tenant and good for you. Yeah, and sometimes people don't want internet or cable. You know, I have a friend, she just goes to the coffee shop. She doesn't want to invest in the internet. I have another friend that has to pay for a cable package through her condo and she doesn't even want the cable. So it's a good point, guys. Listen, we're heading into an area that those are the little things that people could cut. Mm-hmm. Okay, so think of a Netflix account. Think of a gym membership. Think of an internet service or paring it down. Or, you know, and, and they'll they'll modify their lifestyle a little bit here and there to try to make up for things. That so so all those little little things that we all have the reoccurring you know that hit your statement. You're oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> those are the kinds of things. Those are the services I think that uh, that are going to start to decline. The revenue part. Definitely. All right, Jacob, next premium question. I'm considering selling a duplex that I own. Are there certain circumstances when get paying capital gains to capitalize on appreciation makes sense? Well, capital gains is whatever it is. So, you know, right now it's 20 and I think pretty much everyone believes it's going to go up to 25. So my, my guess, you know, under the Biden administration, and, and, you know, we're not going to pick on Biden, but the, every administration has a different view on this. So, and it's, it's been all over the map. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The, you're probably... Uh, so that sale is going to probably cost you at least 5% more on a capital gain. The other thing that you potentially have is, depending on uh, who does your taxes, you might have what's called a depreciation recapture. So you have that. In addition to that, let's say let's say you get the cash and then you pay the commissions and all the things plus your capital gains, plus your depreciation recapture. You need to figure out how much you're actually going to net. Okay, now you're sitting on cash again. So the issue is when you're sitting on all this cash, what are you going to do with that? So whenever we are facing do we sell, do we not sell? 
typically, if I have something that I'm going to reinvest it into that produces better income, cash flow, then that's why I do it. So I don't just sell to sell. I sell if I if if I have low cash flow and I can move the money. It's called velocity of money, and I can move that into something else that cash flows better. So that's the most important thing. You have a plan for the cash. Exactly. And those of you on YouTube, make sure you're uh, asking some questions because we do pull some from YouTube and answer them. So ask away. All right. Next premium question is from Corey. Thoughts on investing close to the beach versus inland. Love the idea. Um, I'm in, hold on. Yeah. I'm in Florida and I see home prices rise a lot faster by the beach but cash flow looks better inland, less yeah. trafficked though. Yeah, you're right on. It's, you know, we we used to have a saying about this: is you know anything near the water is you know always going to be better. People generally like to be closer, depending on you know. Think of any; it doesn't really matter where a lake, uh, an ocean view, uh, you know, versus ocean front. All those kinds of things. Just look at the ads, the way they advertise all that stuff. So. Obviously, anything like that is you might pay a little bit more on and but it still has to cash flow. But you're going to get more rent like we just spent the summer in Manhattan Beach. And it seemed like every block we were away from the beach, the rent went down. Oh, yeah. a lot. Yeah, and so did the house prices. And year over year over year, it always kind of stays the same. So from a percentage standpoint, it doesn't really change too much. But people um, always, for you know, love love to be close to that. So I'm a big fan, and and I think if you can, you should. Well, he was. I think what he was saying though is he's considering investing more inland. Oh, well, again, it, uh, that just means it's less, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stay full. And is it going to have the demand? You're always going to have more demand near a beach. Right. So uh, it's hard to know. There's, I mean, five miles from where we were was LAX. <laughs> right, yeah. So, you know, it's very different area, um, you know, from Manhattan Beach to LAX. Very different. But I would say, though, to point out, you know, I know that he's saying that the cash flow is going to be better inland, but that's if it's rented 12 months a year. Like, you know, my properties in Scottsdale are in the hub of Scottsdale. So I really haven't had vacancy for more than a couple of weeks in between tenants. If your property is sitting for a couple of months, all that is eating away at your cash flow. Yeah. Like like the, the houses that we were looking at, you know, they're, they're renting for 12 to 15,000 a week. I mean, that's what they rent for on the beach. And, and so that's a lot of money, I understand. But one block back, it's 6000 Right. <laughs> one block. Right. You know, and then back behind, you know. So, so you know, you just got to, it's all just, you know, depends on the location. And the closer to the hub, the more full I'm not, you're going to be. I'm not saying you can't do really well. A right. lot. I mean, Phoenix, that's where a lot of my investments are, is there's no water. So it's <laughs> There inland. are hubs, it's though. There's just yeah. no water. Right. But yeah, definitely. Um, and then Jacob wanted to clarify on the person that was selling the duplex. He said, I did ask the premium question. And yes, it would be to reinvest and to buy and hold long term. Good for you. Sophia from premium. Should I sell off my single family rentals that are fully paid off and become a passive investor or hold on to them in hopes that prices will go up further? Hold on to them. Yeah. yeah. Hold on to them. Uh, I think that if you guys have paid off, Cash flowing. Cash flowing, real estate. You know, I would put some 
I personally, I wouldn't be too concerned. Um, I'll, I know the Dave Ramsey method is, you know, no debt, no debt, no debt. I personally like that. But even for my portfolio, you know, Ross and I are sitting around 50% loan to value. So we don't have a lot of debt. We're, we're way in the money. So we use OPM or other people's money. We, we put low cost debt on and, and then we use that to reinvest. So that's how we scale. So I think if you've got paid off, uh, deals and uh and and you got good tenants in there then there's no i would not change because my uh, based on where inflation's heading i think the value of those homes have to go up yeah and you know just at our you know our strategy is typically not selling unless you have something better to put the money in and if you're going to be a passive investor that means you're going to trust somebody to make more than you're currently making yeah yeah and we're it's a tough time to buy right now, as you guys know, and cash flow. So if you're, you don't know what you're actually investing in. I'm in, I'm in battle all day long with people as we're trying to buy properties, you know, and there's 20, 30, 40 people trying to buy some of these assets we're trying to buy. And I see they're paying a million, two million, three million, even 5 million higher than we would. And, um, you know, so they have a very different result on the cash flow side. That would be as an LP or limited partner investor very passively. So if something's paid off and you got good tenants in there, um, the one thing that you could miss out on would be rent growth. Right. You might want to take a look at that because rents are going to jump. They've jumped a lot already. Uh, and there's all kinds of ways to, uh, to grow that income. That's what I would do. I'd focus on that. Yep. So Constantine from YouTube has a good question. They said they've been on the market for a house to live in for the past four years, but they're not liking these high house prices. Uh, What's the chance of prices adjusting down next year? So it depends on the area, of course. I'm already hearing that that appraisers and lenders are, are starting to deal with foreclosures and and uh but the question is where you know where and so uh, that's what that's what everybody wants to know the the issue is you can go on to black knight and and take a look at the cities the counties uh, that are that have the, the that have the highest uh, mortgage delinquency right now and you can kind of generally get a good idea of of uh what listings are going to hit so it just has to do with supply and demand. Right now, markets are still hotter and hot. So there's areas around the country that are just killing it, doing like home prices are going up and people are still bidding. But there's others that aren't. There's others that are trending down. One of those is Boise, Idaho is actually trending down. And it was hotter than hot the last couple of years. Washington, D.C. is trending down. So there's Portland, Oregon is trending down. So now... Do you want to buy there? Probably not. You, you know, you probably don't want to buy in Portland, Oregon right now because of all the other issues. But the, so every market's going to be very, very unique. Some of the areas are in North Carolina are still trending up. Some of the areas in Florida are trending up. Some of the areas in Texas are trending up. So it, it's just going to be a very specific market uh, by market uh, decision. Definitely. And um, Purefire on YouTube is asking you to go more into how leveraging debt is an opportunity. Sure. So when people put money into a bank, then that becomes a liability for the bank. 
when you pay your insurance policy or you pay into your pension plan or you pay into your 401k plan, that becomes a liability for the people that you pay. They get your money. Now they have to reinvest it. So at, and they have to pay you something. So it's an expense to them to pay you. So you're basically transferring your money to someone else. This is what we call OPM. So that OPM, that's, that's in the form of whatever it is. It could be debt or it could be equity, but it's just money that people are handing over to somebody else to manage for them. And in the bank's case, they do that in the form of debt or bank loans, let's say. And that could be auto loans, it could be home loans, it could be lines of credit, it could be whatever. But savings in a bank is a liability to the bank. And... So, because they have to pay you, even if it's 1% or less than 1%, it's still an expense. So, that money, the whole system is set up for you to, to extract that money from people. That is the system. So, so th that's what I call OPM. So, if the bank's paying you 1% and they're lending it to you for 4 or 5 then the bank makes that difference. So that's how that works. And so then you have to make sure that that money is making money. So that is essentially how the system works. So as you're, as you're borrowing money or OPM, let's say, let's say you're buying a home that's $500,000 and the bank gives you 400 of it. So you get the appreciation on that 400. You get the, the price of the home goes up on just the 100,000 that you invest. So you get 400 from OPM, other people's money. And it doesn't have to be just those folks that I said. It could be, a, it could be the homeowner financing you themselves on an um, owner, owner, owner carry. So, so that's how you got to be thinking about debt and leverage. So le it's essentially not using all your own cash or somebody else's and using debt in the form of a mortgage uh, and to buy something. It doesn't really matter what it is. I, I, was, I was reading the other day, there's a kid that actually has been buying these exotic cars and he's been paying two to $300,000 and he's been cash flowing 20 to 30 a month by renting them, mm -hmm. just like an exotic car. But he finances the car. So he puts a little bit down finances it but covers it by having a robust rental program because people are paying you know a, a couple thousand dollars for a day to rent a lamborghini let's say or a rolls royce and and um you know they come to town and, and so there's a there's a whole business behind it i'm not saying it's not hard but if you know if, if it's if it's sitting out say say more than you know two weeks a month you, you know he's clearly he's, he's making 20 to thirty thousand a um a month against probably you know four or five hundred four or five thousand dollar payment so that is kind of the point using debt uh, uh, but you have to have a plan to be able to to cash flow definitely so our next premium question comes from nolan have you ever used modular development for your various builds and if so to what extent yeah we haven't we've looked at that we've looked at you know, using old containers and and there's a company that thought that they could do that, uh, that just went down. It was called Katera. And, um, you know, and so this has been discussed and talked about a lot. Essentially what that means, guys, is you take your plumbing and your electrical and all that stuff and build it into these components. Think of Legos. And, uh, but it's never been really perfected yet. 
So uh, we've steered away from it at the moment, but um, and maybe maybe some people are doing it successfully, but I haven't heard of anybody that's actually done it successfully yet. Nice. Um, from YouTube, um, Josh had a good point. He said home prices in his area have increased significantly. How long do rents usually lag in these same neighborhoods? So when does rent go up? How long's the lag? Yeah. Again, it depends on the what's going on in that particular neighborhood. So the, you got to think of the supply of rentals versus the demand. So that drives everything. So, um, you know, in, in every single way. So you think about just basic basic supply and demand. A friend of me, friend of mine, said. We were, we're going to go to Park City to go skiing, and what they did is they they reduced the number of of uh, annual ski passes by twenty percent, but they expect thirty to forty percent more skiers. So guess what? The prices went up a lot. That's a supply and demand issue. So same thing on the renters. So if there's a lot of people trying to move to an area and there's not very many, then you're going to see rents go up. Very, very, very quickly. So, so pay attention to the migration patterns of, and what's happening to that area. And if you haven't, if you have something that is um, uh, a commodity, you know, the spot where there's not very many, then you're going to get much, much higher rent. Think of, uh, you know, somebody asked me the other day, should I invest around universities? And I said, be careful because everything's changing right now. So there's a lot of kids that went down to university and the university says, yeah, 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 we're in person. And then when they got there, they said, you need to be vaccinated or we're not in person or whatever. And so enrollments are down. Okay, so that affects the occupancy in that area, period, in the student housing, in the dorms, in the fraternities, and of course, all the stuff around the area. Now, not every college has the same rules and you know so ever you know so you have to just look at what's going on and then take a look at the existing supply and what's actually happening um and so it's a good question but you got to dig a little deeper and know the numbers and know what's happening in in your area exactly so the next question is from missy from premium these came in last minute <laughs> um is it reasonable to place a clause in a contract for a construction company that ensures a buyer's termination or rescission rights if completion is significantly delayed? Whew. So this is a touchy one. Um, what's happening right now, guys, is let's say you, you know, there's a lag in, in, the, in, the, in the construction of a home, period. So if you if you came in and, and bought a, a home today and it's just typically you walk into a let's say a, an open house or a model home and you say I want that lot and it takes a year let's say to deliver well that general contractor that builder is is getting their butt handed to them right now because of the labor and the supply cost so that home uh, in some cases uh, and you might start seeing this on some of these home builders and that home is actually coming in potentially higher than the profit that they made. And so what I'm seeing is some, some, some contractors, some home builders are saying, Hey, we're going to eat it. And some aren't, some are saying, 
you know, we're going to cancel the contract. So it all boils down to that. We had, we had that one of our friends, they canceled the contract and sold the home for more yeah. than it. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is a very, very interesting topic. It's a very timely, timely, timely question. So it's going to be hard for you to get a contractor or a builder today to put anything in their contract that says you have to deliver the property for X because that's called the GMP gross uh, maximum price or a fixed price. It's going to be very, very hard. I mean, think about it. Would you do that? Would you do right. that? Not, like what, what benefit? I mean, they're yeah, so busy. What yeah, benefit does right. it have? So, so I'm not saying it's not a good question. It's a very, very astute question. But you got to think of the subcontractor. If the subcontractor has to lose money by putting a roof on, then they're just not going to sign a deal like that. So right. that's the situation we're in right now is that the, 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 it's, their labor is going up and the cost of the materials are going up. So if you the have time, it takes is yes, and the time because they can't get labor. So if you have something that contractually says that they're supposed to do something and, and they're going to have to write a check to you, then of course they're going to go screw you and they're going to fight over the contract. So you're going to start to see this is going to start to percolate more up as, as people start, as these home builders, these contractors say, you know what, I'm going to walk from the job. I'm not going to finish or whatever. And then you just have to get into that litigation. Yep. Purifier had a good comment. Uh, he said student housing projects are 50% or even lower on occupancy filing for bankruptcy, but they're designed in such a way you can't convert them because of the penalty of the proximity to the school. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. So you can't necessarily just convert it to a regular rental, perhaps. Yeah. That could change, though. So so what happens is <clears throat> you, things change as uh, as the economy changes. So if that building goes into bankruptcy and goes back to the lender, Depending on who or who made that requirement, if it's a, if it's the the college, then the bank's going to go. No one will buy it. And right. It's going to sit there vacant as an eye store sore in the middle of the college. The college is going to have to change. So y even though you know when times are good, I understand that clause, but you're going to start to see people are going to have to do whatever they have to do as this real estate starts to make its way back to where it originated, which is probably the lender. So Bob O'Brien is a new premium member and he thanks you for all the good information. His question is, how do the returns for an LP and self-storage compare to the returns of multifamily? Uh, thanks, Bob. So again, it depends on the location. Of course, I have both. I've done both. The, the self-storages are really awesome because they... The, the the tenants don't get mad at you because they're <laughs> they're they're basically garages full of stuff, and they uh, but you don't get quite the rent increases uh, unless there's a significant shortage. So so self storage can be kind of fickle, uh, where people can develop them on just a couple acres, and and so the supply of self storage can go up re relatively quickly. I like self-storage a lot because it requires, it's mostly automated, and um, but you, it, they're, they're not as sexy. In other words, you're not going to have, with, the, with apartments and residents, a lot more management, a lot harder by a long shot, where you got people moving in and people moving out, but you're going to get 
the the high, you're going to get be able to to adjust your rent increases let's say over a period of time so moving forward in the short term i think you're going to see it on the apartments but over long term you know we're talking about 10 20 years um it could be pretty close okay neo geo from youtube i like that name um what's the best place to park cash for the short term three to 12 months Ooh. so um for me it's um precious metal Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I mean, it's treasuries, of course, because those are considered almost risk free. But, um, you know, you got to think of something that's going to hedge inflation. Just take a look at all the factors. You know, you see a lot of money printing. You see the devaluation of the dollar. But you have to take a look at that as it compares to the other economies. You know, what's going to happen to the Canadian dollar, the Mexican peso, you know, and and the uh, the euro and, you know, and the, uh, the renminbi and, you know, all the different kinds of currencies for Canada and Europe and all that. So you have to look at the whole picture just on that. But but for me, I, I still think um, I you want to be a little liquid obviously uh, uh and you don't want to have um uh and so for he, for for that case i just actually have uh i just have cash as liquidity so in other words i don't have at all invested i do have cash because i want to have that but i i have a combination of a lot of different things so yep so wahane i'm saying his name right this week wahane he said how do you calculate a forced equity strategy in your evaluation of a property so for those of you guys who don't know, so you, you know you've got for appreciation in something you have kind of market appreciation and you have forced appreciation. And forced appreciation means that you're taking something and making it worth more by injecting money into it or changing the use. So uh, think of um, think of a uh, an, uh, a house that's severely dated. 30 years old and you put in a new kitchen and new flooring and all of a sudden it's worth more that's forced equity so it has to be super clear very black and white and it can't be something that's way above market so in other words like we're buying a property in austin texas right now where the rents are 200 dollars on the average lower than the market so by putting money into the property and and making the property the uh be competitive with the other ones in the area we know that we can raise our rents by two over two hundred dollars per unit because of the market so what you don't want to do is as as you know build it and they will come like put the money in and hope that it that you can punch way higher what you want to do is just take a look from a practical standpoint um is is and so so you want to find something that's here and you want to find something that's here and you want to bring it to here you don't want to bring it above here and then try to get more money definitely to end it carla asked what happened to your hand so once again he fell up an escalator fell up an escalator <laughs> that stopped and my hand went into the into the the metal step <laughs> anyways guys i'll see you all next week see you guys thank you for listening to this episode of the real estate strategies podcast if you liked what you heard please give us a five-star review on itunes and let us know what you thought of today's episode want to take the next step as a real estate investor Join our free community and gain access to dozens of beginner courses, blogs, weekly insider updates, and much more. 
visit kenmacroy.com slash podcast. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>